Episode 8, The Key is Moving Well by The Fit Chick. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we hear Dr. Aaron Conroy's perspective. For doctors who want a thriving practice and abundant home life, listen as your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, goes behind the curtain and interviews doctors and guests about real-world triumph, struggles, practical tips, and entertainment on this episode of A Doctor's Perspective. Today, we talked to a doctor, a physical therapist, and she has a unique opportunity to rotate every few months around the hospital and experience lots of different types of physical therapy. And the two that we talk about today will be the NICU and spine-related injuries. And we go into a whole lot more details from, as usual, relationship advice, fun apps, just a great conversation. She's a great person, and I'm sure you're going to agree. You can hear all today's show notes at adoctorsperspective.net slash zero eight. Today's episode is sponsored by me. I'm super excited. We have merchandise at adoctorsperspective.net slash shop. It's print on demand. So we have styles for men, styles for women, lots of different colors, t-shirts. We've got the logo, but we also have a special design for chiropractors. I would like to do more and expand into other professions, but for right now, that's all I have. If you like the show and you want to support it, and wear a pretty sweet, soft, durable, printed in America t-shirt and more, doctorsperspective.net slash shop. Also, if you were curious, the book cover is finished, getting it formatted, and then building a quick little page or two to explain why you should get it. I'm excited. It should be ready to go in just a couple weeks. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Welcome to the show, Dr. Erin Conroy. She is a doctor of physical therapy from Columbia University, and she got her undergrad from the University of Michigan. She is now in the windy city of Chi-Town, that's Chicago, if you don't know street slang. And uh, <laughs> she works in a hospital doing two things that I'm interested in, acute care NICU, and then uh, inpatient rehab for spinal care injuries. So welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's just dive right into this thing. What kind of things do you treat for NICU? And, yes. and, and what kind of age range is that? That's that's really interesting. I'm thinking torticollis, but what do you think? Yeah, yeah. So NICU is something that even a lot of my coworkers are like, so so what the heck are you doing in there? And a lot of times people are like, so are you just moving their their limbs around? But it's really um, so a lot of it is the, those premature babies, and then. There might be some babies that are full term that have different issues going on. So a lot of the things that we work on are just getting them to tolerate handling and different positional changes, getting them to work on gaining midline, being able to work on those self-regulatory behaviors. Like we want them to be able to get to midline so that they can finger their face, they can do a hand clasp and working on that midline orientation, because that's just very important for development of their motor skills and being able to self-calm. And then also working on like their state regulation. A lot of babies will have difficulty staying awake, especially with feeding. So just working on getting them to tolerate different positions and staying awake and just being able to bond with the caregiver. And a lot of babies just honestly need to be held. They need love. <laughs> and when they're so young and little, they're just, I mean, the, the nurses are crazy busy in there. They have so many babies to take care of. They can't just be, you know, cuddling those babies all day. So they need that, that touch and that input 
to really help um, develop and regulate all those different aspects of their early development. Absolutely. So based on like an occupational therapist and a physical therapist for like, you know, with the hands going to the face, Mm -hmm. how do you guys different or is there like a definitely a blurry line depending on uh, what hospital you're in and what they have available to pay for? Yeah, I think um, I think it definitely varies on your setting. Um, This is actually the only NICU I've ever worked in. So there is an occupational therapist in there as well. And a lot of times we will co-treat and uh, there is a a blurred line when it comes to the NICU, I would say. I'm because I mean, if the occupational therapist, maybe if there's more of um, if they need a splint or something that would fall, fall under more of the occupational therapy category. Mm. But the reason I actually fell into working in the NICU, like, I, I wasn't interested in pediatrics at all, to be honest, but I was doing a rotation in acute care. And one of the therapists that did a little bit of work in the NICU, moved away, and they needed another therapist. I work with mainly adults. <laughs> I was like, hey, it sounds like a interesting opportunity. If you guys need someone, I'm definitely willing to learn. So I ended up training for a few months with um, the primary NICU therapist. So I do it just for a few hours twice a week, and it's really rewarding. It's So I don't have a lot of experience in different NICUs, but in this particular one, the occupational therapists and the physical therapists definitely have that blurred line of what we do. And it sounds like it's sort of, like you said, it's kind of part-time. So are you spending most of your time with the uh, spine rehab injury, uh, spinal injuries? So actually where I work, um, I feel very fortunate that I got to start working where I did. It's, you can rotate every six months, um, especially that first two years out of school. So, and then you can continue to rotate after that. But I worked a year in outpatient. I worked on the spinal cord unit for a rotation. I worked in acute care. And then actually because I started working in the NICU, I was able to negotiate splitting my time. So I work mm. half my time acute care in NICU and half my time in outpatient. So my, I was primarily on spinal cord injury last year, but I do cover there on weekends occasionally. And then in outpatient, we do see a lot of the spinal, the patients who've had a spinal cord injury, um, who were in our inpatient unit, they'll follow up in outpatient. So it's kind of interesting seeing that whole continuum of care. Like some patients I'll see over in acute care and then months down the road following up with them in outpatient. So it's kind of cool. So you didn't win on the conservative route. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. Oh man. So what kind of, um, so these people might be like hemiplegic, paraplegic, or just really bad, like uh, sciatica and neuropathies and things like that? So I work on the west side of Chicago. So you probably are aware that Chicago has a lot of gun violence. So Number the, one, maybe? Maybe number two? <laughs> so majority of the spinal cord injuries that I see are due to gunshot wounds. Oh. So, yeah. So most of them end up being paraplegia or uh, tetraplegia, and they could either be incomplete or or complete. So some patients we'll work with will work on just getting them independent, using that wheelchair, depending on the level of height, if they have use of their arms. If... If it's um, a higher up injury, working on that caregiver training so that that patient is able to be, um, you know, as well cared for as possible. And if they have, if they're able to speak, you can be able to independently direct their caregiver. So it's different from each patient. And if it's incomplete, then 
we will definitely work on built, sh- strengthening what they those muscles they do have and walking might be a goal down the road. It really depends with each patient and on the injury. Uh, but it's, it is pretty cool to see. Like I had one patient when I, w- working in acute care, she couldn't even sit up. It was the most terrifying thing for her. Her blood pressure would drop. She, her balance was horrendous. And she's actually working with one of my coworkers, an outpatient now. And I remember thinking, wow, like she has nothing, like no movement. She's actually like the other day was walking with a walker and did the stairs. Granted, it's not a normal walking pattern, but this is someone that couldn't even sit. And right. it's almost a year, a year later, and I see her walking and being able to do the stairs with help. Wow. So, I mean, it sounds like your cases are definitely, there's no cookie cutter based no. on the patients that you have. No, we have quite um, a wide range. <laughs> it, it sounds. So when it comes to this long of physical therapy, do you guys run into a lot of insurance issues or do they have to become self-pay? I mean, how does, how do they stay on that continuum for so long? So we actually, majority of our insurance is Medicaid. And then at the Mm -hmm. hospital, we have um, self-pay, but that is actually ends up being just the hospital paying. So it's, it's, uh, um, we tend to serve that like underserved population. So yeah, Somebody's got yeah to. the uh, the insurance issue. It's kind of like, well, we're, we're treating anyway. The in the outpatient, it's definitely more of an issue. The insurance limitations are pretty tough. Like the Medicaid, a lot of them will approve like evaluation only, and then you wait a long time for approval and then get more visits. So that's definitely an issue, especially with like knee replacements and ACL injuries. People who need that continuous care. And right. it's just hard when with that insurance that it ends up breaking up that level of care. And then there's regression and then have to work back up. So that's definitely an issue on the outpatient level. Has it gotten worse since uh, Obamacare or has it kind of been about the same? Um, there was a period in that, that transitional period where everyone had to pick their insurance that things got a little murky. And yeah, for everybody, I think. Yeah. And then like some things weren't covered because people didn't because people didn't know that they had switched plans yet. And to be honest, I, d- I don't know that much that goes on with the insurance stuff because we do some of the paperwork and let the our lovely, lovely ladies up front <laughs> figure, yeah, figure out. The that. Yeah, <laughs> I like to stay out of it as much as possible. <laughs> OK, so what would you consider some of the most common misconceptions? about your profession? Um, so I would definitely say, I would say there's two that I, I come, that comes to mind. One, I would say a lot of people are like, Oh, uh, get a massage, feel better. Physical therapy. Yay. The worst. (laughs) Yeah. No, even the hands-on stuff. It's, it's very focused. It's like, there's an evaluation. There's a reason for everything. It's very directed. And I'm you know, this in your profession, it's not, you're just not just Putting your hands on Dr. a patient. Aaron, for can't no, you just stretch uh, me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's a reason, and you are working on a specific, a specific, specific area. And the hands-on component is just a small part of our treatment session. There's that neuromuscular reeducation, the therapeutic exercise, and I think the absolute most important is that patient education component, and just being able to evaluate, reassess as you go, and then um, continue on after that. And then I would say another huge misconception that I've come to realize more recently is that when people think of physical therapy, they think 
once you're injured. And I, as a profession, we are trying to get more into that preventative, preventative care and more of that health and wellness realm. So ah. we want to, we want to stop the, the elderly people from falling before they fall or, you know, prevent, preventing those injuries. But most people, when they think of physical therapy, think of it after they're injured, which in most cases right now, yes, it is. But maybe down the line, I'm going to open the doors for. Trust me. We are, you're talking to the chiropractor. I think, I think yeah. chiros and PTs are probably the most blurred of the professions. These yeah. days. Now you, if you wanted to, you can learn how to adjust. We learn how to do rehab. I always say, look guys, you have an ACL tear. You can go, go. So we have an ACL replacement. I'm like, I'm not dealing with that. Oh, you hurt your knee playing basketball. Okay. Well we can, we can figure it out. Yeah. But well, what my, one of the misconceptions I hear from clients is, ah, oh, and they say it for us too. Once you go, they just always want you to go. It's like 12 <laughs> weeks. Can I do some of this at my house? What, what do you say to that? Yeah. Um, it's one of those things. It's like when a doctor prescribes you medicine to take every day for a couple months, it's the same thing. It's a little more effort, but it's your body. It's something that you need to commit to. And if you can't, if you're not going to get better, then you can't live your life. You, It's it's hard because sometimes you care more than the patient does, but but for the most time, most part, you'll get those patients who understand, you know, this pain is keeping me from working or holding my baby or something like that. So when people realize that it affects their lives, then I think they understand like, hey, I'm committed. I'm coming in every week getting this done. But that yeah. is definitely a tough, tough scenario. <laughs> do, y- do y'all have... Um companies that try to help if you're like an independent clinic how to manage staff how to um, grow the business but also maybe how to communicate to patients more effectively so they understand I said six weeks Mm -hmm. not six visits yeah well I think that's that's something that I've heard a lot of times on podcasts and I don't know specifically about companies but I know um, there was a physical therapy clinic in one of the areas of Chicago that just had a continuing education course, not on anything with like, hands-on or anything. It was about that communication aspect with the the patient. And it's mm-hmm. something that we do continually talk about, and it is always a struggle. Like, But I, one of the things that I think is helpful is establishing that at your first visit. Like, you're not, this is going to take take some time, but we will yeah. get there. You should see little improvements along the road and maybe set little, let's set smaller goals along the road so they can feel at least a sense of victory as they go and not just be like, God, I'm not back to complete normal by the end. But yeah, it's, it's still a work in progress with every patient. <laughs> Do you have any unique abilities or strategies that, that set you apart from some of your other physical therapy doctors out there? I think, I think something that I... I pride myself on is that I think I'm pretty good at establishing that trusting personal connection with my patients. I mean, I'm kind of a chatty person in general, but I like talking with them and trying to explain things to them in ways that they can understand. Like I had a patient look at me the other day, I forget what I was talking about, something with her shoulder. And I could tell she just paused and kind of stared at me and I could tell she was thinking about something. 
And she's like, where did you go to school? I just really like the way you explain things to me. No one's ever said it like that. That makes me feel oh. so much better. I was like, wow, that's probably the best compliment I've ever received. So just no little kidding. things like that, like not my technical skills, hands out. I'm sure there's better therapists out there when it comes to that. But I think if you don't have the ability to establish that trusting relationship with your patient, then mm -hmm. you're not going to go anywhere. So I think right. think that is something that helps me excel as a as a PT. What's your background? How'd you get into this? And uh, did you have any, you know, one, how'd you get into PT? But also, how did you uh, did you develop interpersonal skills just come naturally or what? <laughs> uh, I guess sometimes I, I sometimes I think I talk a little too much. But um, yeah, I. I played sports my whole life, and I guess maybe the fact that it's that team element, you have to be good at communication. Uh, mm -hmm. I swam and did volleyball in grade school, volleyball and lacrosse in high school, two years of lacrosse at Michigan. And I just, I think maybe that team element adds to that development of communication and interpersonal skills. And, you know, growing up and just always being in those sports too, obviously you see a lot of injuries. Luckily, mm -hmm. I never had a significant injury, but I've seen a lot of people who've had ACL tears and have gone through rehab. So I became a little familiar with it based on that. And then my mom is actually an occupational therapist. So she oh. knew, she kind of suggested it to me. I explored it when I was applying to college. I like, okay, what the heck major am I going to choose? I have no idea. I'm one of those people that's always on the go. So I just couldn't picture myself being like, sitting at a desk all day. It's just, I, I could never do it. I would fail miserably. Um, right. Yeah. So I remember looking, I was applying to University of Wisconsin and University of Michigan, and they both had, one. Wisconsin had a kinesiology major, and then University of Michigan had the School of Kinesiology. So I saw that, had recently shadowed at a PT clinic. I was like, all right, done deal. I'm becoming a physical therapist. <laughs> so yeah, I knew going into college that that's what I was doing. Very easy. <laughs> what about um, doctors who are struggling, maybe just starting out, getting out of school? Are there any uh, practical steps that they can take to get where you are? Are any advice for these? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, getting out of school it's definitely scary try, applying for jobs, putting your resume out there, not getting a lot of responses. But what I would say is don't be afraid to ask for what you want. Like when I graduated, I knew that I wanted to come back to Chicago. And I want where I work now is where I wanted to work. My mind was set on it. It was what I wanted to do because I just really wanted that rotational program to get really get my feet wet in every area. Really nice. Yeah. So I applied through human resources, you know, crickets, applied again, crickets, and I was getting a little impatient. So I did a little digging, found the number for the director of rehab, <laughs> called her. And then by the end of that day, had an interview set up. And yeah, that's pretty much how I got the rest of my interviews. So I would say go out, not, a, not be aggressive, but don't sit around and wait for things to happen because a lot of times you don't know what's going on on the side of human resources and all that. And it also talking to someone in the actual department, it's putting that human element on it. I mean, people can look at resumes, especially in our profession where you have to be very, have great interpersonal skills, be a good team player, just have a good personality and just 
it's not something that you can get across on paper. So if you can talk to someone in, in your profession, they just, they put that human element to you. And I think that really just puts you a step up. So getting in contact with the actual rehab department, I think is essential or, you know, with the actual manager of the PT clinic or or anything like that, do a little digging, get creative. Yeah. It's true though. Yeah, it really is. And that's actually something my, my last clinical instructor told me, she's like, don't, don't do it how they, how you're supposed to do it. Find a different way. Be different. So say hello. Yes. (laughs) I've applied one time for this hospital and I think there's just, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going nowhere. So I'm just a number, a stack in a resume yeah. uh, pile. I was just like, well, that's how it is with the government. So I was like, I'll just um, play it by ear and yeah. maybe do something different next time. Hopefully the resume <laughs> will be better in a year or two. But <laughs> yeah, yeah you, if you can talk to somebody, that's a huge, huge bonus oh, for yourself. Oh, yeah. It's, it saves so much time. Now, you may not have any idea about this, mm-hmm. uh, but do you, does your hospital or do yourself, do you have to do any kind of marketing to promote the clinic? We don't, just because the hospital is a non, non-for-profit hospital. I mean, I do always want to give the hospital a good name, and but we don't... You said it's Medicaid-based, too, as well, so, so it's we not do, really... Yeah, we do want doctor's referrals. We, do, we want to keep patients coming in. Productivity is still a big thing for us, but mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely not like your big chain physical therapy clinics that are like patients coming in and in and in, and I know some... Some clinics, they have to do like doctor marketing. And I don't know how effective that is where okay. they go to the doctor's offices and drop off some kind of goodie. I'm not sure what. I remember I did a clinical at one. But, but yeah, I'm not too sure about all that. I'm curious because now because you're actually the doctor and not like the um, whatever the step below that was. Masters. Masters. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I was like, I don't know what to call it for you guys. Like, but at one point you guys weren't doctors and now you are kind of, mm-hmm. everybody's trying to become a doctor. Do you have portal of entry now where you don't actually have to have all these MD referrals and your practices based on them? So that's what we're fighting for. And it differs by state. So I believe in Illinois, you can do an evaluation or screen and then you need referrals for treatment. But then I think there's a gray area when it comes to what insurance will cover. So the idea is to get more like in the military, the PTs in the military, they Mm -hmm. can, they can do order x-rays. They can, there's a limited number of prescriptions they can prescribe. They just have a lot more autonomy and freedom. And Mm -hmm. that's ideally what it's supposed to be like with our training. But to this day, still, you know, patients, have to go to their doctor, get the prescription, then come by the time they get their evaluation, come in. And then by that time, they've lost so much time that they could have been working on getting better. That right. That's why we're fighting for it. But it's just it's not something that's well, you're trained for easy. it. Yeah, exactly. And that's <laughs> at one point, if you quote weren't trained for it is one thing. But yeah, if you're trained for it and you're capable of it, it's like, well, I don't need your input. Yeah. I'm exactly. the guy who's going to be doing all the work, <laughs> scribing all the the treatment plans and everything. Right. Like we're trained to know when something is not, when something needs to be referred out to some someone else. When something's not musculoskeletal, when something is a little more of a serious condition, we know that that's what we're trained for. But if their diabetes flares up, we'll send them back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. But we got this uh, pinched nerve in the shoulder. Yeah. All right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Uh, so as for yourself 
Mm-hmm. Do you have any five-year goals, even 10-year goals? Do you have any of those? And how do you know if they're worthy of you pursuing it? So recently, I've become interested in women's health. And with my whole rotational thing, ro- rotational system at this hospital, I've decided that outpatient ortho is ultimately what I want to focus on. I'm glad I got my experience everywhere, and I think it's made me a better clinician. But what I want to do is focus on that outpatient aspect in women's health, just because women's health is such an area that is very needed. And I don't think a ton of therapists are... I don't even know what that means. Yeah, like like incontinence, (laughs) women's pain with pregnancy. There's a whole bunch of... That's the first thing I think of, is it like... Can't go exercises, or we got the, what other issues we got Whole, here? The, a lot of stuff that that can go on, um, but it's so it's very needed. I mean, our women's health therapists are always booked up, and there's it's hard to get in with them. Um, and just as a woman myself, I really want to want to pursue that. But I would like to ultimately get more into practicing in that outpatient setting, women's health, and then maybe taking on more of a leadership role and whether that's where I work now or working somewhere else, but really just being someone that is, I guess, a good name for the profession, Mm -hmm. advocating for physical therapy and being a leader in the profession. And then as far as 10 years, I definitely want to eventually have my own business, whether it's, it doesn't necessarily need to be my own clinic. I want something that is related to health and wellness and that preventative aspect, something I'm very passionate about. And I would ultimately like to have something that I'm kind of running and using as a a base to advocate for physical therapy. But we'll we'll work on the specifics <laughs> yeah, down right. down the line. <laughs> what do they call it you got to mind map that somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure there's a podcast teaching me how to make my goals and <laughs> yeah. make them specific. <laughs> a dozen of them. Well, you mentioned uh, in the pre-talk that they you have a website. Explain what that is about. The, the, the website you said them about a, a broken hand. So give <laughs> yeah. us that story. What's, what's going on with that? What's, yeah. So okay. So I'm not gonna lie. After. After I graduated, and I think this happens with a lot of new physical therapists, like you graduate, you're all jazzed about things you learned in school, going to apply all of them, but you realize things are very different when you go out and start practicing. And then you're working instead of you're working all day rather than, you know, being in class, talking with your fr- friends. It's just a different element. And getting burnt out is easy. And I admit that there is a small point in time where I was just becoming a little bit disengaged, being like, oh, God, I got to work for the rest of my life. And it was just like such a negative attitude that I'm embarrassed to say I felt because I've always been more of a, like a, a go-getter, always wanting to excel in things. And I was just you know, like, okay with just being, getting by, I guess. And so this summer, I broke my hand and what's a physical therapist without functioning hands? So I was temporarily off of work. And that is actually when I discovered a podcast by a physical therapist. I'd never listened to a podcast before, and I just became a woman obsessed. And it really kind of inspired me to get engaged again as a physical therapist and and kind of wake up and be like, I have this awesome education, this awesome career. I love the people I work with. I work with some amazing people like snap out of it kind of thing. And I am also like super into fitness and 
just realized that that's when I kind of realized physical therapy and our mission statement from the American Physical Therapy Association emphasizes that moving well component. So Mm -hmm. what I want to do is just educate people on that movement and moving well is such an important element of fitness for getting those results. So you need to be using correct form and not just for injury prevention, but even just using the right muscles to get the results you want. So merging those two just to see for people to understand the connection and just for people to understand their bodies. I I have so many friends that come up to me and ask these questions that I just think are common knowledge because it's things I deal with every day, but it really isn't. It's just little basic things and going, I take a ton of workout. I like going to different workout studios. So I'm seeing a bunch of people working out, doing squats with all kind of crazy form and and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm not going to be that person that's like, uh, hey, let's uh, correct that here. Um, just don't want to be, no one wants that happening to them. So I just thought, hey, I think everyone, uh, I, I want people to educate me on things I don't know about. I don't know anything about finance and stuff like that. So if I can help someone maybe prevent an injury or just move better or anything. What's that website called? Um, it's called The Fit Chick. It is with a P-H-Y-T, so um, like physical therapy and fitness combined, thefitchick.com. And it's I, my tagline is fitness with a physical therapy twist. <laughs> there we go. You, know, yeah. you were talking about people doing horrible motions at the gym. I, I mean, I'm in a small town here, mm-hmm. and they just got a gym, and I just see some of these people, and they're rocking. They're doing a bicep curl, and they're yeah. rocking. They're going maybe, maybe <laughs> like 70 here. degrees. You know, what is that, 45 degrees? They're not even going <laughs> parallel. I'm just like, wow, you, yeah, whatever. I'm it's not gonna. crazy. And you see these, like, these, uh, I guess, beefy looking guys too. And I'm like, and they come into the clinic with these injuries. And then you watch how they're doing their exercise. And you're like, no wonder. <laughs> just, just like you. Hey, girl, let me show you how to squat correctly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trust me, I'm big. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny. It's just little things that are that we think are common knowledge, just that aren't really aren't. No. What do you uh, where do you see your healthcare profession going in the next three to five years? What's your projections? I think there's going to be a lot more of this advocating for our profession and a lot more of moving towards that health and wellness aspect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's because I've recently gotten into the whole listening to podcast things, but. I've been noticing that there's a lot of physical therapists out there that are on that path and are excited about being a physical therapist, are connecting, are with other physical therapists and other health and wellness professionals and mm-hmm. really making it more of a, a team effort. And what I hope to see down the road is that physical therapy is something pe- when people feel pain or have an injury, they don't automatically think, I need to get pain meds or I need to go and like get an x-ray. I mean, if you have a broken bone or, you know, if there's a trauma, yes. But mm-hmm. just I would hope that physical therapy comes to people's minds before their physician says, okay, you need physical therapy. So right. I think there's like a whole campaign for like get PT first or something like that um, that advocates for getting PT. But yeah, I just want it to be more, I see it as being more of a well-known profession, I guess. Yeah. As a, well, you know, in ours, um, 
I was, you know, listening to podcasts. That's why I started mm-hmm. this one. And mm-hmm. I'm realizing like there's all these podcasts and this group of people that are chiropractic, rah, 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 and let's get back to the basics. We don't need to do all this PT stuff. Let's just crack it back because that's what, <laughs> you know, they, they would kill me if I said that. So <laughs> when we adjust the spine in a very specific location, uh, <laughs> but there's a whole group of people. There's these huge conferences throughout the year. And, and I was like, I had no idea that yeah. these things were going on. And I'm listening to one podcast. They talk about the research of chiropractic, and he gets super excited when he's when he hears um, it's actually a chiropractic manipulation and not like an osteopath or a physical therapy or whatever. Uh-huh. So you guys are doing a lot of the research that we should be doing, uh-huh. but I think you guys have a nice advantage because you're in a lot of the um, the medical facilities, so you can do the research that needs to be done. And we're like just sitting on the sidelines, <laughs> we're like y'all better be careful. We're not going to be a profession. They're going to take it over. They're going to do everything that we do. We're going to be obsolete. Y'all better get on it, boys. There's room so, for all of us. There's room for all of us. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going on a tangent today. Um, <laughs> so we're going to switch gears to do a little bit more of the personal side. Is that ready? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you work in a hospital, so mm-hmm. you don't have the, the exact issues that a lot of the, the solo practitioners have about vacation, but mm-hmm. are you able to customize your schedule at all and how do you how do you take vacation um in, in your setting so i think our we get a very generous amount of vacation days and i think mm-hmm. working in a hospital we are able to manipulate our schedules a little easier where i take a lot of long weekends i'll take i call them my mini vacations and it's just a great reset like every winter i go to colorado at least twice because i love skiing and snowboarding so mm-hmm. i'm actually going next weekend <laughs> and then once oh, in march nice. Yeah. Um, but the great thing, so we get a lot of paid time off days and then also, so if you work a weekend day, you get a day during the week off. So a lot of times we can kind of finagle it where, okay. And if it's in within the same pay period. So mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough to take some long weekends without using all of my PTO, because if I've worked a Saturday within that pay period, then that, I can take a long weekend the next long week, uh, the next weekend without using a paid time off day. So that's convenient. Yeah. Taking a lot of mini vacations, I think like have one big one and then a, a lot of mini ones. It's perfect. It keeps you, you yeah. leave, you have some good, come, good time, come back, you're ready to go. Where's your favorite yeah. place in Colorado to ski and such? Uh, Steamboat Springs. Love it. I mean, I've been all over, but I grew up going to Steamboat and it's just, such an awesome place. The whole vibe there is really I mean, relaxed and happy and there's live music usually at the end of the day and it's just beautiful. It's great. Yeah. yeah. You know, I lived there. Mm-hmm. We used to joke that there was a one uh, resort that would say, friends don't let friends drive on I-70 because <laughs> on the way back, it's like five hours of traffic oh just sitting God. around. Oh my God, yeah. If you're driving on a Sunday back, uh, you're doomed. Good or there's a that. snowstorm, good luck. <laughs> Yeah, I was more like, can I just go to SS Park and hike in the snow? I don't, I don't need to <laughs> rip my, you know, I did a back, not a back, I did a front flip, crushed my neck, felt like my knee was going to rip in half. I was like, yeah, this snowboarding is definitely not for Justin. No, yeah, sir. I was lucky I learned when I was young, when you fall and you bounce right back up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, so, okay, so here we go. Hobbies, volunteering, what besides physical therapy, maybe the website, mm. what else uh, occupies your mind? I really do. And I know people say you can't really enjoy working out. I really do enjoy fitness. I love Pilates reformer. Um, And then I love my family lives in Chicago as well. So I'm really Mm. big with hanging out with them um, and hanging out with my sisters. And 
really spending time with friends. And I spend a, recently I've been spending a ton of time on doing that, doing my blog and um, my website. So but that's fun, too, if you enjoy it. Yeah, I really do. It's uh, it's been my way to keep myself engaged in the profession. You know? It's what we do all day. I mean, the burnout is is real. Yeah. And if you don't have something to get you energized, whether that's being a lobbyist, you know, or, or yeah. doing seminars or doing a blog, it, it gets monotonous pretty quick, I think. Or it could. A lot of people are like, so what's what's the end goal here with this blog? I was like, what do you mean? I'm just, I like it. <laughs> it's, it, I want to educate people. It's, it's really my, my way to keep myself excited about being a physical therapist. Yeah. Well, I can see you doing uh, speaking engagements because you got a lot of energy. I think. Oh, like, well, thank you. I mean, however you get that involved, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've always thought about that. Like, there's all these, you know, circuits running around of uh, continuing ed. And I'm just like, how do you get involved with that? I was like, well, I don't know these people, I guess. And it's funny because I recently, I always thought, oh, physical therapy, it's not really a job that you go to networking events. And because a lot of my friends are in that business side of things. And they're always like, oh, I have a networking event here and here. And I always, I never thought that way until recently when I started listening to all these podcasts and stuff. And it's just, yeah, networking with other physical therapists and getting, talking with them. And then I guess that's how speaking engagements and everything happens and getting invited yeah. to special conferences. So, so yeah, it's really, really opened my eyes recently. That whole breaking of the hand <laughs> would say it was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> so that's recent in the breaking of the hand. Yeah. Yeah. It was this, uh, uh, is end of this summer or early fall, but I was mm. off of work for about two months. Cause wow. and I was, I was healed, but I still had a lifting restriction. So it was technically I could work, but it becomes a liability for the hospital. I think yeah, that's no good. Yeah. So I had a lot of free time in my hands. I sprained my finger once. <laughs> it made adjusting difficult. I, I would imagine. <laughs> I was like, I don't have work comp for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was my own fault. <laughs> All right. We always have this, this struggle between a life with our house, with our family and with work. How do you how do you manage the the work life balance and and dating marriage? How do you deal with that? That's a good question. I think with with physical therapy, it's nice because you don't take your physical work home with you. I mean, it's not really a job you can work from home. Mm -hmm. So I know some places you can document at home. I we don't do that, but even if we could, I would prefer to stay late, get my work done, and then get home. And the thing that it is difficult as a physical therapist, especially when you work in a setting like spinal cord injury or on the acute care side, when you see these, when you see the gunshot wound victims or those little babies, it's, it can be tough to not take that mental element, element of it home with you where you just see someone's life change so quickly. Mm -hmm. So it really is one of those things you have to learn to just leave it at work and shut it down and don't bring it home. Because I think that just makes, that can make it an exhausting, exhausting career. It's, and you're there to help. And yeah. one of those things to think about is that you're, this thing happened, but you're the person that's going to help them get back to living independently. So it's a positive way to, to look at it. But that's one of those important things to, to leave at the door. But yeah, physical work, if you have the option to not do it at home, don't ever do it at home. I like to look at my, Home space is where I can drop off my work bag, maybe go work out, maybe sit down um, and watch some, watch some TV. But yeah, as far as, you know, in like the dating aspect, just when both of you are busy with doing a bunch of different things, 
think it's important just establishing at least one thing that you connect on, like a TV series that you might watch once a once a week together or something like that. Like I think Bloodline was uh, a show I recently got into. So it's something you can connect on that's you can talk about that's not work related at all and just something completely separate that that you two can connect on that aren't yeah work related. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I got a question because uh-huh. you are a doctor and I, I've when I was uh, single and doing the online <laughs> game and enjoying having conversations, uh, lots of one and done relationships, as they say, uh, they, they, some people were like, guys are afraid of highly educated and successful women. Are you finding that an issue or do you just go, you, you gravitate to a pool of men that are like equal on the same plane? plane field? I definitely like people that are ambitious and driven, but I don't know if it's my personality where I'm. I'm very smiley, I would say, and just I tend to be uh, welcoming, I guess, is that it doesn't give off that in- mm. intimidating vibe. Like if you told someone I was intimidating, they'd probably laugh. <laughs> well, intimidating more than like, you know, a doctor typically, has, you know, they're, they're smarter. They might make more money than me. And I, how do I compete yeah. with that? I think you a know? lot of my friends. Yeah. You want to go to Colorado? Yeah. I would, but yeah. I can't afford it. So. I think a lot of my <laughs> friends, uh, they definitely respect it. And the thing with physical therapy is it's such a recent change to that doctoral level is that a lot of people don't know mm-hmm. the level of education it takes to become a physical therapist. So a lot of people mm-hmm. probably don't even realize it. Because I'm not going around being like, hey, I'm Dr. Conroy. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> um, but... I think my my friends that do know and do know how much schooling it takes, they definitely respect it. Like, wow, that's pretty cool. You're a doctor. I mean, no one calls me. I mean, I don't. My patients don't call me doctor. They call me Aaron. It's it's a casual right. relationship. I mean, my grandma calls me likes to call me doctor. <laughs> She's very proud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they typically yeah are. <laughs> but I I am very proud of it. But I also like to keep things. I don't like to feel like I'm this powerful person looking down at anyone. It's just, you know, I'm still, everyone is, has their own talents and what they're smart with. And yeah. I just thought I'd ask. I yeah. was kind of curious. Most of the people are, are married on the show, so I don't have that, this, this opportunity. So it's kind of fun to it ask. It might be a different answer if it was an MD or DO, just because those, you know, that's just that, that stereotypical, it's like, like, oh, you're a doctor kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think since physical therapy isn't as well understood in that area, it's not as mm-hmm. big of a big of a thing. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, last couple questions. Do you have any morning or lunch routine that, that grounds you or excites you for the rest of the day? I've been trying recently to get so much better at this. So my schedule varies a little because NICU, the days I go in the NICU, I start at 7 so I can sync up with their feeding schedules. And they usually start feeding by eight. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I start work. I don't start work till nine. So Mm -hmm. on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I will try and get a morning workout in on those days. And those days, like it's usually a spin class because in the morning, I like to have someone encouraging me, telling me to get moving. Um, but that if I don't work out in the morning, my day is so different. I have less energy. I'm just not as ready to go when I get to work. Um, but I'm also tried, I'm trying recently to set, set like a mantra for the day and then set a time like during lunch to just check in, reset and get, 
get going for the afternoon because it's just so easy to get caught up in all your documentation and just patient after patient that you don't have a time to just sit and take a break. And I think you can actually be a little more productive if you take a step back and then get going. Um, my friend Wade, my friend Wade, actually, she, um, she's a life coach and she just held a, a mindfulness moments workshop the other night. So now this whole mindfulness thing is on the mind. <laughs> I like it. But, I like it. But she's pretty awesome. She is like this really inspirational person. Her, she lost her mother to cancer. Her sister had cancer. She was diagnosed with cancer and had to leave school. And then now she's like, she's the most positive person I know and has these like 90, 90 second meditation, a free 90 second meditation on her website that is just, I think, perfect for like that lunchtime, um, that lunchtime reset. Because a lot of us don't have It'll stress us out more to be like, ah, 10 minutes away from doing my work or something yeah, like that. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. What's your mantra? What's your mantra? Um, varies day, uh, day by day. <laughs> you don't <laughs> have to answer. <laughs> like there's ones where like, like one, I, one, this is, this is really embarrassing, but like with like working out and just accomplishing those goals and not a lot of times I think I get that, uh, imposter syndrome type thing where it's like oh am i good enough to do this just uh, like i am fierce (laughs) i got this so it's a little embarrassing but i what's what works for me but just that couple words that you say in your head and you're like yeah all right stop stop doubting yourself here (laughs) we all have i mean we all have our own self-doubts and our own issues so yeah whatever it takes there's no there's no judgment on my end that's for sure (laughs) that's cool that's cool Never said um, that out loud before to anyone. So. <laughs> I'm fierce. I'm running on the treadmill. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. Yeah. They have those mirrors in front of you. <laughs> oh, yeah. The imperfections are there. So you have to, you oh, have to yeah. Look through yeah, not it. good. Mm-hmm. Good grief. Uh, okay. So do you have any favorite books, blogs? You mentioned podcasts, but not mm-hmm. any names that you uh, secretly love and some that you feel like the rest of the people should take notice of. Yes. So... My absolute favorite podcast and what inspired me to start listening to podcasts, and I credit this podcast for changing my view of physical therapy, is called Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. It's by a physical therapist. It's Dr. Karen Litzy. She uh, she runs a concierge cash-based PT in Manhattan. So she's she's doing pretty well, I think. But yeah, she's just really great to listen to. Has a lot of great guests that just and it's not just for physical therapists. She has a lot of entrepreneurs in um, like tech or uh, other healthcare professionals, personal trainers, or um, she had someone who, like the creator of Edgar, which is uh, helps with the automation of social media to hmm. to give you more time with your business. So it's a lot of different elements that I think are helpful for anyone, especially especially someone that's in the healthcare industry that is running their own business or just wants to be a better clinician. It just helps give little, just good thinking points, I think. So it's definitely not just for physical therapists. She just happens to be one, and some of them are focused towards that. But that is by far my favorite podcast, just because, you know, my first one. (laughs) Yeah, hey, there's always the first one. Yeah. But that's exciting, though, because if you cover a lot of different topics, you can feel like... I don't have a lot of hours to listen to podcasts. So what's the best bang for my buck? Absolutely. My time? Yeah. It's, it's been very helpful. And the fun, the fun last question, mm-hmm. 
We all have our smartphones. Do you have any favorite <laughs> apps, whether it's business or pleasure, that you just always lean to? So I don't use a ton of apps, but what I, but the one that I do really love is the Skim. Have you ever heard of the Skim? So this no, is actually a daily newsletter email that they send out, but they have an app called Skim Ahead. So yeah. the Skim, two two women created it. It's just it's kind of like a cliff notes of the news, a spark notes of the news, just summarizing every little important detail that you should know but they write it in a very it's very witty it's very easy to read you know i'll laugh out loud a few times while reading it i'll drink my coffee while reading it it takes me a couple minutes and honestly then you can hold your own with any conversation when people are talking about current events just by by reading that and the app skim ahead it can sync with your calendar and it just tells you about important events whether it's like a a pop culture related thing or something with, you know, the, with politics, they'll, they'll tell you what, what you need to know. So you don't miss anything and you don't yeah feel it's, lost. It <laughs> sounds convenient because with, especially with all this, um, the world's going to end Trump people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, my goodness, I'm, I'm, I'm over here. I'm like, okay, what's the big issue now? I'm trying to figure it yeah, out. You got to read like China, three or four articles. Where you're safe because <laughs> protests are everywhere. Everyone, the world is ending. It's, I know. it's crazy. I got to read four articles just to figure out, okay, well, what's going on? So oh, maybe, maybe yeah, this will be nice. The skim is for you. It's seriously awesome. They, I have never felt like I didn't know something that was important. And then if it's something that intrigues you, they have, they'll link out to other places or just okay, this little blurb, I want to learn more about, more about that, then you know what you want to go and learn about. It's great. It's it's uh, such an awesome, awesome business. Do you have anything else you want to chat about? And then how can people find you or reach out if they want to? Um, anything I want to chat about? I don't think I have any. I think we covered a whole lot. Um, I'm yeah. sure we could always talk about more. But yeah, I think this has been a great conversation and I've loved loved chatting with you. Um, people can find me a uh, few, few places. So you can email me. It's Aaron, E-R-I-N, at thefitchick.com. And then you can find me on Instagram at thefitchick and Twitter at thefitchick. And I believe oh, on Facebook, I have a Facebook page also, the Fit Chick. So nice. just from P-H-Y-T for fit. Yeah, Very I would good. love to hear from anyone and just really love engaging with people hearing what they any thoughts so yeah feel free to reach out to me all right fantastic i well, hope you have a great trip to colorado coming up ah thank and, you uh, yeah now, i really appreciate you being on the show oh yeah and i can't wait to hear more of your travel tips on your podcasts <laughs> oh i gotta find one for you what do you what do you want to hear this week oh i don't know I, I really liked the the eat locally one i was like oh that's a that's a good idea where you look and yeah. see where it's yeah because i spend so much time googling all right what is the hot spot here? Look at Yelp and it's, it stresses me out. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I hear you. I've been to some places sometimes you're like, um, okay, well, everybody's eating here. I guess I won't get sick afterwards. Cross yeah. my fingers. <laughs> Otherwise, we're all going down together. <laughs> That's it. That's it. All right. Well, you have a fantastic 2017. Thank you. You too. I had a good time talking to her today. I'm sure you did too. I gave a little more two cents than usual. Hope that was all right. Look, head on over to her blog, thefitchick.com. It's pretty nice. I think you'll agree. Reach out to her on Instagram and other social medias. Remember, find your passion so that you don't get the burnout. She started a blog. What can you do? And remember, 
Be fierce. Show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash zero eight. Stay tuned for the travel tip at the end of the episode. Just want to give a general reminder, the ebook, when it comes out, if you were to go to a doctorsperspective.net on the right side of the screen, on a pop-up on the bottom of the screen, there's all kinds of places where you can put your email. And when that comes out for a limited time, I can send it to you for free. It's not only a book about nutrition and exercise, it's actually like blueprints. If you haven't really been able to stick to a diet much in your life, if you haven't really done much exercise and it's kind of a daunting and you get demotivated quickly, I have steps, implemental steps for you to take to make big changes overall, but small changes to start with to get accustomed to maybe eating less food, to how to build up to 20 minutes of exercise and things like that. So if you're interested, sign up because it's not only something that you could implement for yourself, especially if you are um, not in peak health, but also it's something that you can either give or sell to your patients so that they can have a blueprint for themselves. You can find me online on all the popular sites. The easiest way to do it is go to a doctorsperspective.net. And if you look at the top right, there's all these little social media icons. Just click whichever flavor you like best and it'll send you directly to that page. You can subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, Instagram, etc. I do a lot of travel photos on Instagram, so I hope you like it. As well as Flickr has a wide variety of those same pictures, but a lot more. And of course, I'm very active on Facebook. So connect, comment, and I will respond. Today's travel tip, I know we were joking about getting her input, but today's travel tip will be hire a personal driver. If you're going to an Asian country, at least, you could probably find a personal driver for really inexpensive, especially if you're going farther, you know, far places uh, or traveling around the town. It might be something to consider. Uh, obviously, if it's in the city and everything you want to do is in the city, you probably just take subways and buses and things. But if it's farther away, like an hour or two hours, like some places you go, and you fly into, you know, one place and but all the attractions, the cool stuff, the the scenery, the mountains, the the rivers, whatever, are far away. And you can try to find a bus and all that, but it might be just better to um, hire a tour group or, or a private driver. And that way it's on your time and you'll be comfortable. If you want to get some food, you can go to the bathroom. There's no problems. They, they're flexible. And then it's almost like a, a personal guide because they can tell you, oh, this is a cool spot. This is a cool thing. Uh, here's the landscape, here's the history, and um, and it's very convenient. We just went hashtag behind the curtain, and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.